Hi again, and welcome to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Today, Chris visits with Dana Bailey, Vice President of Corporate Communications at Chattanooga's EPB. We've covered Chattanooga extensively on MuniNetworks.org. Dana spells out the many benefits of the EPB fiber optic network. Reduced power outages, lower electric rates, and an incredible telecommunications utilities offer many benefits to the Chattanooga area. Here are Dana and Chris. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Today we've got a really exciting show. We're talking with the biggest municipal fiber network in the country, and we're talking with Dana Bailey, the Vice President for Corporate Communications of Chattanooga's Electric Power Board. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to, this is an interesting show, I think, because everyone's heard of Chattanooga. Everyone knows about your fiber network that listens to my show. Um, it's an incredible town. Um, I've been there twice now. I know that it's filled with great people. And even if I wasn't in the fiber business, Outside Magazine is constantly telling everyone that they should move there uh, because it's such an incredible place with all the outdoors activities and, and fun things to do. Well, I don't know why we haven't gotten you here yet, Chris, to stay. <laughs> I, I, I love my winters. And, uh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as soon as you you spend a lot of time below zero, then I will uh, I will move there. Okay. Um, we might uh, just have to live without you then. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm afraid a lot of people would be unhappy with my style of winter. Um, <laughs> so you were, you're the first city in America to make uh, a gigabit available to every single address. Uh, and your slowest Internet offering is the fastest um, or is faster than just about every community's fastest option, um, you know, for most of us that aren't in, in your area. People are familiar enough with Chattanooga that we don't have to spend a lot of time explaining how you got here and, and, and all the things about your network. But I do want to cover some of the basics. So can you just tell us a little bit about how big Chattanooga is and, and where uh, the network extends to? Sure. So Chattanooga, we serve um, Chattanooga and Hamilton County, which is the county seat for Chattanooga, and parts of eight other counties in Tennessee and uh, northwest Georgia. Our service territory covers about 600 square miles. So we have fiber optics deployed throughout the entire service territory. At this point, we have about 8,000 miles of fiber deployed. So uh, one of the things that's unique about Chattanooga is that we do have, you know, we're a small city, but we are a city, and we have a, a downtown hub and a, a dense um, area in the downtown area, and then we extend out to very rural parts of the service territory. So it could be, um, you could have someone living in a downtown condominium having access to this network, or someone literally living on a farm um, 20 miles outside of town with access to this network. So um, it's about, EPB passes roughly 170,000 homes and businesses in that 600-square-mile service territory. That's the part of the story that I think has been mostly ignored by the larger press, is that you took people in some of these areas who are on dial-up as their only option or maybe satellite, and you brought them one of the, the the world's best networks at this point. And and I just think that's something you haven't gotten enough credit for. Well, we think it's pretty cool also that that people of all different kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds as well as different locations um, in the area can have access to the same infrastructure. Okay, so why don't you tell us what all of the different things that this fiber network does for the community? 
Okay. Well, the first thing it does, and this is really a big piece of, this is a, a, a real driver in our decision to build this network. The first thing it does is it helps us improve the service we're able to provide on the electric power side. So we are first and foremost an electric power distributor, and um, our, our engineers and technicians and planners years back wanted to figure out a way to develop the next generation electric system. How, what does the next generation electric system look like and what do we need to do to get there? And really the first thing that was needed was a robust communication system. So the fiber optic network firstly acts as the backbone, the communications backbone for all of the thousands of smart sensors and devices that have been added to the electric power system. So those smart sensors and devices use the, the fiber network to communicate not only with us, but with each other and with our customers in near real time. And we're seeing already some pretty incredible results. The first incredible results we're seeing are related to reduction in outage duration for our customers. There have been many studies conducted to determine or to estimate the dollar cost of power outages on societies. And most of these studies are pretty consistent in their findings. Um, one of them from UC Berkeley from a few years ago estimates that this country loses $80 billion, with a B, dollars a year to power interruptions. And now that's not a loss to companies like EPP. That's a loss to manufacturers and retailers and restaurateurs and other businesses that can't conduct business when there is no power. So. If you take that $80 billion study done by UC Berkeley Labs and you apply it to a service territory the size of Chattanooga, you can estimate that our community loses roughly $100 million a year due to power interruptions. And so one of our big drivers in the beginning was to see what we could do to reduce that impact. What could we do to improve, to improve the service that we provide those businesses um, so that they can be the most productive they can be? So the fiber network was really put down first and foremost for the electric system. And we're seeing on average a reduction of 60% in outage duration um, as a result of having this network in place now. And we know that that's not just because of an anomaly of you having really good weather over the past few years because you've been tried with some of the harshest weather that you've seen in the region's history, right? Absolutely. This past year, in fact, I guess it was July of last year, we had a nasty windstorm. It wasn't, it wasn't a tornado, but it was close. It was a, a nasty windstorm that took down lines and poles all over the system. Um, in years past, that would have resulted in 77,000 homes and businesses being without power for a significant duration. But instead, 42,000 of those either saw no interruption in their power at all or saw a momentary interruption in power. Um, and there have been, there are hundreds of stories like that, some of them larger in scale, some of them much smaller in scale, but you're absolutely right. This has been, the last couple of years have been pretty trying from a weather perspective in Chattanooga. And the, the smart grid is performing beautifully. It's actually outperforming what we had hoped. We had hoped for a 40% reduction in outage duration, and we're consistently seeing 60. So what else does the, the fiber do besides the um, smart grid? 
So the, the smart grid, there's several several other components to it. The big one right now really is this reduction in outage duration. But then once you have the fiber optics in place, you can use the network to provide super fast internet service, like what we were talking about earlier. So we offer internet service to our customers, phone service, and TV services. And you know the, the TV and the phone services are great. The internet service is really a differentiator. It's just it's just blazing fast, and people love it. Another positive about that is that the revenue from offering those services allows us to pay for the smart grid um, faster and, and actually helps keep electric rates steady. Um, the way we've set it up is we do business under two different brand names, the EPB Electric Power brand and then the EPB Fiber Optics brand. The EPB Electric Power brand actually owns all of this infrastructure. So every time we sell a customer an Internet package under the EPB Fiber Optics brand, EPB Fiber Optics pays EPB Electric Power for access fees and allocations. So the Fiber Optics brand is actually paying back the Electric Power brand for every time it sells a service. It, it, since we've been in business, since we've had communication services in business, the EPB Fiber Optics brand has paid the Electric Power brand over $57 million in access fees and allocations. Um, that's the amount that, that amounts to about a 4% electric power rate increase that never had to happen. So what you're saying is that the rates would be higher in the absence of the, the fiber network, that in fact offering the, telev the television, the Internet services, um, is allowing you to keep electrical rates lower than they would have had to be. Right. We would have had a 4% rate increase had it not been for this fiber network. Now, you know, some people are saying that um, the electric ratepayers are somehow paying for the network. And you just noted that the electrical side owns all of the, the fiber infrastructure. And so there's an there's some people who are saying that electric rate payers in Chattanooga are coming out with the short end of the stick and that they're paying unfairly for this fiber network. Uh, and so I'm curious if you can address both um, whether or not they're paying for it and then also if it's fair or not. Well, the opposite of that is what's actually true. So what's happening is the, our customers who, sub, who choose to subscribe to our EPB fiber optic services are actually paying for the network. Um, and actually, by paying for the network, they're helping keep electric rates steady. Um, and, and our electric customers don't have to pay anything different. There's, there's no, we've had one electric rate increase, I believe, in the last five years. Um, no rate increase related to any of the infrastructure that we've built. And again, the EPB fiber optics brand is paying back the EPB electric power brand, which is actually helping keep EPB electric power rates low. Well, it's it's actually kind of a, it's a funny charge in that it really preys on the ignorance of people because it's not like EPB has a place to hide the electric rates. You buy all of your power from TVA, another public institution, under contracts that can be inspected, and your rates are, are themselves inspected by TVA, which is extremely careful to make sure that no electric rate payers are paying inappropriately for other services. Uh, so I just, I like to throw it out there, but I mean, the, the truth really is, is that there's no way for you to hide it if you were doing something that was inappropriate. That's absolutely true. That's one thing about being a municipal utility is we are an open book. 
Um, we actually, before we went into business, we put our entire business plan on display. Anyone could come over and look at it. Um, we have, we're subject to open, record, open records laws. So there really is nothing within our company that cannot be seen, read, analyzed by, by our customers or by anyone in the community. So we're, we're an open book. It's, it's about as transparent as it can be over here. So you're absolutely right. But that it, it would absolutely be inappropriate to use electric power customer funds to pay for a fiber optic network. But the exact opposite is what's happening. The fiber optics customers are subsidizing the electric business. Specifically, you meant the telecommunications services on the fiber optic network, right? Yes, thank you. So one of the things that, that others say, I mean, there's there's almost an industry that's been devoted to just trying to slime you, which I know in some ways, given the story of Chattanooga's past, that, that you're thrilled to be held up in such high regard that some people are paid to try and make you look bad. I mean, it's actually a compliment. Um, but but some of them are saying that, that the only reason that you went and built this whole big, incredible fiber optic network is because Obama threw a bunch of money at you. And so can you can you walk us through what role the stimulus funds played in the network? Sure. The stimulus funds, essentially what they did is they allowed us to expedite our build. We had been planning to do this for many years and had gone ahead and started down the road of building the network. We were planning to build it. It would probably have been about a 10-year build-out. Um, but the stimulus funds allowed us to expedite the build so that we could cover the entire service area in three years rather than 10. But really nothing about our plan changed except the timeline. Everything about what we were planning to put in, the level of automation we were planning to have, um, the kinds of services we were planning to offer, none of that changed um, substantially at all, if at all. I can't think of any change that, that happened except the timing. So that stimulus, the stimulus funds just allowed us to offer the services to all of our customers in three years instead of 10 and have the smart grid operational for all of our customers in three years instead of 10. And, and for those who aren't familiar, I think you, you need to note that this isn't a smart grid in the sense of what other utilities are doing, that this really deserved the expediting because you're so far ahead of what most utilities are doing uh, in terms of the smart grid, the advanced sensors and things like that, that it really is a terrific experiment on which uh, so many utilities can get data as to whether or not it's worth making the level of investment that you have. Yeah, and, and you know, sometimes, frankly, we call it a smarter grid because it really can do it, – it's it, and we're really just scratching the surface of what it can do. It can, it can help us um, with reduction in outage duration, but it can also – it's improving our operational efficiency. Um, it also allows us to improve the power quality we're delivering to customers. It allows us to identify when there are anomalies on a customer's end that, if not identified, could result in high usage and therefore a high bill. So there are lots of applications for the smarter grid, um, and some of them we haven't even really gotten to dig into yet. So one of the ways to judge whether or not the network's a success is whether or not people are taking service on it. Uh, can you tell us how many people are subscribing to your telecommunications services? Right now, we are almost at 50,000 homes. We're at 49,600 residential customers, and we're at about 4,000 business customers now. So we're, we're right around 54,000 homes and businesses in total that we're serving. That's that's pretty incredible. I mean, it, you're in a large region. It's it's hard to ramp up 
where are you with regard to your business plan and, and paying back debt? Uh, well, we're we're well ahead of our business plan, actually. The average annual cost to repay the smart grid portion of our bond issue is $12.4 million. The average annual payment to EPB Electric Power from EPB Fiber Optics is $24.1 million. So we are making double what our mortgage, so to speak, is. We're easily covering the debt service. It's always in a, it's a nice position to be in. And we keep adding customers as, as part of the beauty also is that um, we still have, we still add a couple hundred customers every week. So it's not, it's certainly slowed down. The, 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 uh, the rate at which new customers are signing up has slowed down since we first launched, but they're still coming to, to sign up with us and we're still getting a lot of great feedback from our customers, which is also, we really like to hear that their customers are happy with what we're delivering to them. So one of the ways that that municipalities, you know, measure whether or not they're succeeding or not, and by municipalities I also include utilities, obviously, um, is to is obviously the take rate, the number of people that are subscribing, and whether or not they're paying back their debt. But really, the number one reason that most communities build these networks is for job growth. And I know that wasn't your number one priority, but it was pretty high up there on the list. And so, uh, how are you doing in terms of of job growth in the region? Yeah, I, we um, and it was. You're right. It was a big priority. It wasn't number one, but it was. It was probably a real, real close number two um, to to our improving our power system. And, and really, improving our power system is also about job creation. If you think about um, economic development and all the different reasons why companies choose to locate or expand or stay in a particular area, there are a lot of different factors that go into those decisions. And one of them is power reliability power, cost, and reliability. You know, let me just jump in because that's a terrific, terrific point. And in particular with Chattanooga, where you have such a strong manufacturing base, um, you know, I think of Global Green Lighting, which has uh, opened up a factory there, and they're doing really smart manufacturing. It's it's not just a matter of manufacturing. It's it's the smart manufacturing that requires, uh, you know, really good, high-quality, reliable power and then a variety of other things as well. Um, and so I think that's just a, it's a terrific point. And it's also worth noting that a lot of these um, jobs and the manufacturers are ones that isn't yesterday's manufacturing, it's tomorrow's manufacturing. And, and, you know, something else to consider with that also is that there might be one company with 10 different manufacturing plants and maybe not enough work for all of those manufacturing plants to be running at full steam. Well, how do they choose which ones they're going to send the production to? We hope that Chattanooga is going to be on the list, and we hope that the reliable electric power here will be part of the reason why we'll be on the list. So it's not even just competing for companies to come to Chattanooga or to stay in Chattanooga or to expand in Chattanooga, but for the Chattanooga plants of existing companies to get the business that keeps them going. Right. So so I didn't let you answer, answer the question. How uh, how are you doing generally in terms of jobs? Chattanooga is, is doing pretty well. We've recruited a Volkswagen auto assembly plant and other foreign direct investments, um, including Amazon. That's not foreign, but an Amazon fulfillment center. Um, since we announced the gigabit infrastructure, um, Chattanooga has seen an increase of 6,700 jobs, as well as the launch of dozens of new entrepreneurial ventures. So we have jobs numbers from the chamber, but those are only companies that report to the chamber what their job, what jobs they're bringing in or adding. But then there are other smaller entrepreneurial efforts that might not be reported by the chamber, but are just as important 
Um, one of the things that we've implemented or one of the programs that's been implemented started last year is a program called Gig Tank, which is a summer accelerator aimed at bringing, uh, bringing techies to Chattanooga to spend the summer developing real businesses on the high bandwidth network. And just earlier this week, the seven companies that were here this summer demoing their, uh, their new businesses gave the demonstration to a room full of investors and some media and others. And uh, most of those companies have already told us that they want to stay in Chattanooga. Uh, the winner from last year moved back to Tampa after, he was, after Gig Tank was over last year. And when he got back to Tampa, he realized that he couldn't be as productive there as he could, he could here. So he moved his business back to Chattanooga, and they've been here ever since, and they've even expanded. So there's a, an entrepreneurial movement. There's a technology startup movement happening in Chattanooga that is related to the gigabit connectivity being available that really is much more um, – it's more prominent than its numbers might seem. 6,700 jobs is great and is huge, but then there's probably another few dozen of them that have some incredible potential in terms of entrepreneurial um, success. Yeah, and I, I should note that I remember a conversation, it may have been last year, where uh, the stat was that one out of every three new jobs that was being added in Tennessee was being added in Hamilton County. And to have that level of job growth, I think, you know, you have to attribute a lot of that, um, you know, not just to the fiber network. Uh, I like to say that uh, it's not so much that uh, fiber networks attract these um, big jobs so much as it is well-governed areas that are likely to attract jobs, tend to build the, the infrastructure of the future, and it's that sort of whole scenario that attracts the jobs. It's not just having a fiber network. I'm glad you said that because... Chattanooga's got a lot going for it. The fiber optic network is one piece of it, and, and we're really proud to play a role in economic development and quality of life in Chattanooga, but we know that we're just playing one role. There, it's um, business leadership and the Chamber of Commerce and the city and county leadership. There's just, there are a lot of factors and a lot of people and a lot of collaboration that has to happen for um, for communities to thrive, and we that's another thing that we really love about Chattanooga is that it's a very collaborative, cooperative place for the most part. And um, folks here work together to, to get what needs to be done, done. So we play a role, but not the only role. Right. And I, I think it's been pretty clear throughout this for people who listen to a lot of my shows. I'm I'm definitely more partial to Chattanooga. And it's not at all a lie to say that if it was not for winter, there's a very good chance I would have been tempted to move down there because it Darn is a that beautiful winter. Place. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I want to give you a chance. If there's anything else that you want to mention about uh, Chattanooga or the network before we sign off, please do. Well, there's a lot of things that we covered in the case study that I wrote and published last year, um, and uh, we're going to have you on in a, in a future guest. Uh, in fact, uh, I know in September you have your, uh, is it the third anniversary of offering the Gigabit already? We announced the Gigabit in September of 2010. So you're right. It's the third anniversary of having the Gigabit, but it's the fourth anniversary of having the the fiber optic network up and, and operational for customers to use. Right. And I know that, that there's no, you guys are always very good about um, keeping quiet, but it seems like you always do something interesting around that time. So I'm going to be staying uh, with my eyes open, uh, hoping to hear something interesting. Well, thanks so much, Chris. 
That was Dana Bailey, Vice President of Corporate Communications at EPB in Chattanooga. For more on Chattanooga and its network, go to epb.net. If you visit muninetworks.org and click on the EPB or Chattanooga tags, you'll find our coverage. Thanks again for listening to the Broadband Bits podcast. We encourage you to contact us with your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can also follow us on Twitter where our handle is at communitynets. This show was released on August 13, 2013. Thank you to the group Break the Bands for their song, Escape, licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. A shadow. A shadow.